Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am Meredith Bond here with the lovely Prue Warren. Prue, I am so sorry you didn't catch my um, hand gesture here because I have my camera off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what I what I did catch was my own face on a Zoom screen, right? And it's every time I look at myself on a Zoom screen, I'm like, "What? Who is that?" So the the describing me as lovely is I think false advertising I'm I, I'm the lumpy proof no, no. yeah right thank you <laughs> I don't agree but anyway today God, we com- are talking about character development good 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 um I was standing brushing my teeth I have many revelations when I'm brushing my teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I decided that my next book's character, the reason she's such a party girl, she's a wild drinker, is because she's mildly dyslexic. So she never liked the work world. Mm-hmm. So she's a party girl. And I just like that kind of character development. So as we discuss this, I'm going to put this in terms of my of my character, this party girl who doesn't even realize she's dyslexic. So, So give me your wisdom. Tell me about character development. Okay. Let's think about character development. Um, Okay. (laughs) We have talked about goal motivation and conflict. Yes. That's a But you want to recap that every character needs a goal and a reason for that goal, but also an obstacle why they cannot achieve that goal. That's the holy trinity of goal, motivation, and conflict. Precisely. Um, The the goal, motivation, and conflict sentence is blank needs to blank because blank, but conflict, therefore blank. Okay. Right? Um, In in Deborah Dixon's sentence, she doesn't have that. Therefore, I throw that in there. But I like to put that in there because I want to know what the character is going to do about it. Uh All right. Well, then let's write it out. Let me write it out again. Okay. Say the sentence. Okay. Character's name. Yes. So her name is Farah. We're going to use what? Farah. Farah. That sounds like a very good party girl name. Yes, the party girl. Exactly. Thank you. Okay. So Farah needs. What is her to fulfill her court appointed uh, community service? Okay, Farah needs to fulfill her court-appointed community service because... Otherwise, she'll go to jail. But... Uh, but she's a party girl. Oh, but she's mildly dyslexic uh, and therefore shuns any actual work. Well, that makes her seem horrible because of dyslexia. She's an undiagnosed dyslexic. Therefore, what is uh, she going to do? Therefore, she has trouble... Um, she has trouble making it through this court-appointed community service. No, but what's she going to do about it? That's what the therefore is. Oh. What is she going to do about it? 
she's going to try and charm her way out. She's going to try and dodge the work. She's going to try and schmooze someone into saying she did it when she didn't. Now, see, right there, that therefore, that that shows me what sort of person she is. Because she's going to sweet talk her way out of her community service. She's not going to try harder. She's not going to work harder. She's not going to skip out altogether. No, she is the kind of person who will try and smooth talk her way out of it. I agree. I agree. And I think I think being an undi- undi- undiagnosed dyslexic means that she has learned throughout her life that uh, some things are too hard. She hasn't been given the tools she needs to overcome her dyslexia. She doesn't even know she's dyslexic. Uh, and therefore, what she's trying to do is wiggle out of a situation that makes her brutally unhappy. Mm-hmm. So and I don't want to. I don't want to imply it's that dyslexia is a character weakness, but she's she hasn't been given the tools to deal with it. She doesn't even know. Right. It's not a character weakness. What it is, it's a a disability she has to overcome. And she doesn't even realize that she has it. And so she has developed tools, even unbeknownst to herself, in order to get around this problem. Yep. Yep. And of course, her court-appointed community service is going to take place in an inner city school where she works with a special ed teacher who says, honey, you're dyslexic. And he's... (laughs) you know, buff and gorgeous. Of course, because all special (laughs) ed teachers are. All of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so she is going to um, unlace his tightly laced soul and he is going to lace her up a little bit so they will fulfill each other's secret needs. Excellent. So we've started off. We've got our Farah's goal motivation conflict and therefore which already tells us who she is at the beginning of the story. And you already know that as the story progresses, this hunk of a special ed teacher is going to help her to overcome her disability mm-hmm. and to attain her goal, which is fulfilling this these community service hours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but of course, um, her, inner, her, her outer goal is to fulfill this community service and get back to partying. Mm-hmm. And the inner goal, of course, is to heal and to realize why she's so uncomfortable in the nine to five world and why she can't get along with anybody in her family. They're all, um, you know, rabbit achievers. Mm, right. It's good, isn't it? I mean, that was a good toothbrushing. That was a very good toothbrushing. Yeah. <laughs> and your teeth and got clean, too. Yes, dental hygiene. So I'm. I can have. I can have lots of funny situations with kids, and I think he might have a large dog who comes in, and the kids read to the dog. Um, so he's the, the the enormous slobbery dog is considered a service dog and is allowed in the school. Oh, I've got lots of little details all worked out. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> But we're focusing right. on character development. Yes, character development. I sorry to, to derail the conversation. Let's go back to character development. <laughs> good, good. Um, so, so as we are developing this character, you can also fall back on something else that we discussed earlier in an earlier episode, which are the tropes. 
Okay, so good. you know, you have already established the trope of the party girl. Yep. So you've firmly set Farah into that character trope. She is a party girl. She loves to go out and have fun. And immediately when you say that she's a party girl, everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. And we yep. know exactly what sort of person this is. Yep. Yep. Now, once you've established that trope, you need, you don't want to get stuck in the, in the stereotype. Agreed. So you you need to to, Yes. She needs to be fresh and different. She needs to have some aspect of her um, that makes her more real than just being a ditzy party girl. Exactly. Well, fortunately she appears as a minor character in book three. So I have a good knowledge of who she is. Mm -hmm. I know that, for example, she she promises sexual favors that she does not deliver. (laughs) So (laughs) she's not very flattering in the beginning, but she's cute and funny. So people do tend to like her, but she's known to be a tease. So I do have a little bit of I have a little bit of freshness to her. Mm hmm. She, she pretends she's a slut, but she's not. Great. So already <laughs> this character is developing because we want her to be a well-rounded person. We want her to have those fantastic flaws that, that make her human. And so, you know, how many of your readers will say, yeah, I love to party. Oh, yeah, I like to tease guys too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably... <clears throat> a certain amount of fantasy fulfillment for a lot of romance readers and thinking that uh, I live a nine to five life and it bores me. And so I retreat into romance for something that's a little more zippy. And I wish that I was a party girl. Mm. Um, So I think there's, I think there's value in it. I'm not so sure that Farah is a character that people will recognize in themselves, right? A a cock tease who, um, who drinks all night and is hung over the next day. She's, she's not, She's not an entirely nice person. You begin to understand why she is this way. Uh, and she has more, she has more, there's a little bit of tragedy in amidst her comedy. Excellent. Because that, again, rounds her out. That makes her more human. Having tragedy amidst the comedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm just thinking that we're going to need to do this entire podcast again because I need the guy. I don't have him at all yet. <laughs> I need some flaws. <laughs> I got I to do my character development for the unnamed guy. <laughs> okay. So we've talked about tropes and we've talked about um, rounding out a character to be a complete person. Mm-hmm. How far would you go in that? Do you do a full backstory for every character as you're, as you're beginning? Do you do it as you go along? How do you create a complete character? Self, Meredith, not not how how one ought to, but how do you actually do it? It's a fantastic question. I do not write out a full backstory for my characters, but I have one in mind vaguely, and so um, so I am also just beginning to write a book, and. I am developing my hero and heroine. I mean, I I have developed them. I I have begun to develop them because they're not fully developed until the book is written, right? Because they will surprise you along the way. 
well, that's God, that's true. That's certainly true. Right. So as I begin to write this story, I know that my heroine is a young lady of means. She, her father is, owns clo- cloth manufacturing factories. Yes, yes. You're Regency, aren't you? You're all, yes. this is all This is all Regency. And so. Industrial Revolution. Exactly. Industrial Good. Revolution. Good. But being nouveau riche is not the thing. Right. It, they are not accepted into proper society normally. Right. Um, she meets an impoverished lord. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. She doesn't want an impoverished lord. She wants somebody who appreciates her and right. who likes her and or loves her for herself. Right, right. Of course. Good. Because Already I like her. Already I like her. Good for her. <laughs> Because that's a brave thing to do. Defy convention is a very brave thing to do. Right. So um, so as I'm beginning to develop Gwendolyn, I know generally what sort of person she is. And for some reason in my strange brain, <laughs> I have a scene it, in my mind. It is her backstory scene. It is her turning point scene. It is the wound that was accidentally inflicted upon her when she was a kid. Oh, will you tell? Do you mind sharing? Tell I don't mind. I don't okay. mind. I'm going yeah. to write it. I always, when I have this in mind, and I always, almost always have this in mind when I begin, because it is fundamental to my character development. Um, I I write it up, write up this scene as a short story and I put it in my newsletter and I send it out to my readers. Okay, hang on, wait a minute, because, okay, okay, wait a minute. Short story (laughs) of the turning point. Yes. See, now this is, you're like, this is, that's, that's powerful. Okay, I have written it down now. Say. Okay, so um, dear sweet little Gwendolyn is daddy's little girl. Right. So she goes to his office, to his uh, factory office and sits on his lap and he is organizing the uh, export of the cloth that he has manufactured. And he shows her how he does it. He she sits there while he's working and he explains to her what he's doing. And she's fascinated. She loves it. She thinks it is so interesting and so much fun. And she gives him an idea of maybe how he can do it better or, uh, or you know, corrects his addition or something right. like that. And she's, she, it's a moment where she's useful. It's a moment when she's useful. She's using her intelligence. She's yeah. using her mind. And he's treating her like she has a mind. And he, no, he puts her on her, takes her off of his lap, puts her on her feet, pats her on the head and says, sweetheart, you are a beautiful little girl. Go out and buy a pretty dress. Ooh. Right? Ooh, dad. Right. He loves her with all his heart, but she's a pretty little girl and she should not be using that brain. 
Well, you know, it all, it really does. It fits nicely because he's been taught by his society that the value of women is who they marry, right? Are they pretty enough? someone else and she's not ever going to work in his office so he's not going to encourage that love of business exactly it's tidy it's tidy it's neat Meredith that's a neat backstory moment and uh, her reaction is to smile and say yes daddy and she walks away and and chews up her resentment or does she cry what does she do So she says, yes, daddy, because she loves her father and she wants him to be happy. And she goes off and spends his money and buys herself a pretty dress and shows it off to him later and then sneaks back into his office and corrects his addition some more and (laughs) and figures out. (laughs) I love her. I love her. So, you know, that that turning point, that fundamental moment casts a path in front of me. I can't see the end of the path, but I can see which direction you're going in. And it tells me that her happily ever after is going to be with a guy who values her brain. Exactly. Love it. I love it. I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to read it. And how he is going to overcome his societal limitations of how a woman should be regarded. Mm -hmm. You are such a feminist. You are so strong. (laughs) I love it. Good for you. That's awesome. So you're going to, you've got that transitional moment and you're going to write that up when you, when you, when you get the time and when you're in the right development and you're going to send that out to the people who, who are on your newsletter. Yes. Do you do it before the book comes out or after? No, before, because I want to tease them. You want to tease them and tell what's coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, if a listener, if our, if, if Glory wanted to sign up for your (laughs) newsletter, where would she go to sign up for your newsletter? She can absolutely go to my website. And when you go to my website, there's a cute little pop-up along the bottom line that you have tried and said that it didn't work. And I got I, my developer on that and now it works. <laughs> then I'm going to do it again so I can get it on. And what is your website, MeredithBond.com? Uh, it might very well be MeredithBond.com. Through Warren.com. <laughs> Gosh, those are such hard names to remember. People should sign up for your newsletter. How, yeah. I, I know we're not on newsletter. I know we're on character development. How often do you put out your newsletter? I can't remember. Once a month on the 15th. <laughs> no matter month. what day of the week that is, on the 15th of every single month, you okay. will get a newsletter in your inbox from okay. yours truly. MeredithBond.com. I do mine every Tuesday, Tuesday at 9 a.m. because I'm chatty. Okay, character development. So yes. you have your you have your short story. You have your turning point. Yes. Um, and I'm assuming you have a rough outline of what's going to happen next. In the story? In, in the, the story. In the actual book? Yes. And you have, you have the beats because I don't have Farrah's beats. I don't know. Um, I don't know how we're building how we get to the inevitable decisions that mean we can never be together again. I don't know what my problem is. I don't know what my hero's wound is. Mm. So I'm still working on that. Have you got, you've got your guy. I have my guy. Actually, I had my guy before I had my girl. Um, did. I did because he's a recurring character throughout the entire series. I so it's his turn. It's his turn. Yes. His is the last book of the series. So 
Does that fill you with sorrow? I mean, are you, I mean, you can do satellite things. You can build off that universe. I can, um, but um, I am going to go in a new direction after this. You are. You are. Mm. You are. I just think that's interesting. You're going to go in a new direction. Well, good for you. Good for you. Good for you. And good for all your listeners. Um, Okay. So you have his character is more strongly set. Looking at the concept of character development, I'm assuming, and maybe this is a wrong assumption, but I'm assuming that the the black moment, the bleak moment when we can never be together again, is not just situational. It's not just now I'm locked in a closet and you're drifting downriver on an ice floe. It's it's aspects it's, of my character and your character have have come into conflict. It's yes. It's not just. Uh, that black moment isn't just an external black moment. It needs to be an internal black moment, right? Right, 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 right. Right. And and they both have to sacrifice in order to move, to resolve that conflict. Exactly. So how does Farah take it when the hero says, hey, girl, you've got dyslexia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really big issue because she has got to sacrifice something. She's got to maybe surrender her party life or surrender her sense of self in order to move ahead and grow. Right. What's Gwendolyn's hero's name? Joshua. Name. Joshua. Goodness. Gwendolyn and Joshua. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you know, you haven't begun writing yet, but you know, his sacrifice, her sacrifice. Um, I have begun writing. I'm about 8,000 words in. Um. <laughs> uh, you're awesome. Look at you go. Uh, I have to admit, two of those scenes, about 2,000 of those words, are stolen from the previous book. <laughs> Why is that bad? That's good. It's it's not, because the books overlap. Um, and so I just take a, a scene that I've already re- written, and I rewrite it from the heroine's point of view. <laughs> from two different perspectives. Yeah, exactly. It's so much fun. So <laughs> That's kind of brilliant. It makes me think <laughs> that it would be sort of interesting... I mean, it would be an academic exercise, but it would be interesting to write a book that was the same scene. Every, every pair of chapters was the same scene, but told from the different perspective. So it's not as though you turned the page and went on to something new. You turned the page and took a jump back to the beginning of the last scene. It might drive you crazy, but it would yeah, really be an interesting way to set up how people were not understanding each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Absolutely. And do you ever do that? Do you ever, I mean, I know you're doing it from book to book, but this concept of, I think it would be frustrating as a reader if you got to that cliffhanger at the end of the chapter and were like, oh, then what happened? And then suddenly you're sucked back into the same scene again. <laughs> can can that be sustained for more than one book? I mean, excuse me, more than one pair of chapters? I think it would get really annoying. I think it would too. I think it would too. But what an interesting challenge that would be. I actually read two books that were like that. It was one book was from one person, only one person's point of view. And then the next book was exactly the same book from the other person point of view. Wow. See, that would that would negate the that feeling of we're not making any progress here because you're in an entirely new book. Exactly. Did you like it? Did you, you obviously read the second book? You obviously liked it enough to read the second book. I liked did kind of to read the second Uh, book but uh, I have to say it was kind of boring because I already knew what was going to happen you knew what was going to happen 
So that's very interesting. I suppose this is the value of, as you know, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you mentioned, as you know, Bob, last week. And ever since, I've been reading and watching TV and watching movies and <laughs> thinking to myself, as you know, Bob. <laughs> useful way to say you are giving backstory and you think you're being clever but really that's unnatural you're doing that wrong that's yeah I, as you know bob <laughs> i don't even know where we are i've so distracted us from character development and i do apologize. no that's okay i it's fine so uh so i'm thinking about character development and as so i start off with my backstory with this this transformative scene in my head. So I know where my character is starting. I know what their goal, motivation, and conflict is. And from there, as you say, you build your beats, the main turning points in the story, which will lead them to that ultimate character growth at whatever it is they need to achieve by the end of the book. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Good. So, you know, it's funny because just, just sitting here thinking about thinking about this skeleton of character development and how you hang a body on top of it has been very valuable to me because I can envision a transformative scene in Farah's adolescence where her sister comes along and corrects all her spelling and sort of gets her through high school. I can see mm-hmm. that. I can see a transformative scene. Mm-hmm. And now I have to put in the beats that make that final addressing the final issue that that bring to, takes us apart forever uh, has to be based in that mm-hmm. Ooh, that's nice that's a nice way of thinking about it I feel like it this is. is this is the spine of my this is the spine of my book right this character development exactly in my story I have to say Gwen has not developed much since that transformative moment in that she still does that same thing. She says, yes, daddy, and Mm -hmm. makes herself look pretty for daddy, or in this case also goes out to parties and tries to find a husband. But she is still at heart a businesswoman because that's her passion. That's her love. So that's interesting because I think that she can't, especially because you're writing in the Regency period, she cannot, I mean, she is literally corseted. She's literally corseted mm-hmm. and figuratively corseted and sure that her resentment was, was building up, that there was lava inside her that was, that was reaching a critical mass. I mean, maybe it wouldn't reach a critical mass because they are in a Victorian period, excuse me, not Victorian, but Regency. Right. But I think, I think she, her development would have to include continued resentment. Mm, I don't know. Because you think she's milder than that. Yes, she is. Um, and she loves her father so very much. So mm-hmm. she really wants him to be happy and she wants to make his dreams for her come true, right? Having her marry some titled jerk. Um, Lord. So when she marries the impoverished Lord, who does she think is going to correct dad's books at <laughs> night? No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Does she worry about him? If she has to get married and go away, Who's going to make sure? Well, she has she has a younger brother who is running the business while dad is taking her to London. Thank you very much for answering that question for me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm a little invested now. I want yeah. to know. 
Well, but see what she does, which is a key moment, of course, in the book, is she gets those idiots who just want to marry her for her money. And she turns them all down. And she goes to her father and says, look, these idiots are just wanting me for my money. They don't actually want me. And you want me to be happy, don't you? And he says, but of course. And she says, okay, I'll continue to go to parties and try and find a husband if you will let me start a club for ladies and create a business. Okay. I'm intrigued. I want to read more. So she she gets this idea to create a club for ladies um, and he bankrolls her because he's loaded. And she does this quietly, you know, so that nobody knows that it's her who's doing it. Right. Because women don't do these things. You know, women don't engage in business. Social suicide. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so she promises that she'll keep it silent and he keeps it silent And she can do this on the side and go to parties at night and be, you know, on the outside, anybody looking at her will think that she is a proper young Regency miss, when in fact, she is a businesswoman. Of course, the hero is a club owner. He is a nobleman who also owns a club for gentlemen. Okay, (laughs) good. So she tries to pick his brain to find out how one does this how one has a club and starts a club and maintains a club and all of this. And of course, the black moment is when it gets out that she's been doing this. Right. And she she thinks that he's the one who told everybody. Yeah, this is very powerful. This is very powerful. Without the character development, you have no story. Exactly. And the the key to the character development is exactly what you were doing, which is develop the goal motivation, have a key idea of who this person is, and then figure out what the turning points are that will lead her to where she needs to get to. Right. Yeah. Right. The moment of sacrifice to the, to the, we can never be together again unless I sacrifice. Right. Yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Okay. I think I can... I think I, I think I've got, yeah, I think I've got the, the, the baby beginnings of a spine that I can build off of here. Excellent. Excellent. And Excellent. I'm delighted. I'm delighted with your, um, <laughs> with you sharing your process and definitely delighted with you sharing your story because now I'm totally ready for Gwendolyn and Joshua. I want to know, I want to know that she gets to be a whole human. Well, of course she does. But the wonderful thing is my process is, which we should totally have a whole episode just on process. <gasps> we have to have an episode on process, Prue. I'm down for it. Okay, Let's then I it. won't give it away. I won't tell you what my process is. We'll just conclude by saying you must develop those characters and have that complete whole person by the end okay. of the book. Good, good. Love it. Okay. Okay. And process coming up, but not coming up too quickly because next week, who do we talk to? Next week is going to be so exciting. Chris Hall is my editor and she is going to be coming on to talk to us about editing. Our first podcast guest. Our first live podcast guest. Very exciting. (laughs) I'm so excited. She is um, the most wonderful person and she is a fantastic editor. 
So uh, yes, she is going to be coming on next week and talking to us. She, if you want to look up her website in anticipation, because I know you all are so excited, she (laughs) has a website called theeditinghall.com, which I think is very cute. Play on her last name. Yep, yep, theeditinghall.com. Put it in the show notes. Yes. And we'll put it in the show notes again next week when, after we speak with her. When she's, when she's actually there. That's right. Well, we've had three excellent website mentions of MeredithBond.com, of CrewWarren.com, and of TheEditingHall.com. Precisely. Good for us. We're so yes. <laughs> All right, Meredith, this has been, I got to go, I got to go right. I got things to do now. You sure Thank do. You. All right. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Mm